Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. Uh, what is the first thing that starts growing on a tree in the spring? Buds? Bark? We got leaves, we got buds, we got bark. All right, you're all wrong. The first thing to start growing on a tree is the roots. Every spring, before you see the buds start coming in, before you see, I've never actually seen bark grow, but before you ever see the bark grow, before you ever start seeing leaves, before the pollen, long before the pollen ever bothers us for months, the roots begin to grow. And as the ground thaws, the, the roots kind of spring out with millions of, of little branches that look like hairs. And what these roots are doing, these new roots are doing, is they're soaking up nutrients and water for the tree so that it would, when it begins to grow the buds and the bark and starts to gain height and all those other things, it has the, the energy and the nutrients needed to feed the tree so it can do all those things. Now, when you, when you think about roots, you, you probably uh, don't really think much about them, but roots, you, you can't see them, but they are a vital part of the tree's growth. But when you think about, about roots, you probably instantly don't think about bitterness, but our text directly compares the two. So look at Hebrews chapter 12, starting verse number 15. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited a blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. When, when you are struggling with bitterness in your life, it's, it's difficult for you to see any good in any part of your life. You can't see any good circumstances going on. And the issue with bitterness is most of us don't like to admit that we're bitter. We're angry, we're hurt, we're upset, we're bothered by something, but we never wanna say, I'm bitter about that. Because bitterness, carries a negative connotation. I'm hurt makes you the victim, which is sometimes we are victimized. I'm angry, well, maybe you have a good reason to be angry, but bitterness is a, is a negative word. Now, the story of Naomi shows us that God can take tragic events in our lives and paint a beautiful picture of redemption. So as we continue through our series, when you can't just get over it, we're going to see how we can banish the bitterness in our lives. So the first thing we'll look at is number one there. Let's look at the root of bitterness. The root 
of bitterness. Now, the phrase that the Bible uses here, root of bitterness, it isn't just a, a clever analogy. God, you made this comparison because the characteristics of roots help us understand the dangerousness that bitterness poses in our lives. Now, in nature, you generally can't see the roots that are growing under the surface. And just like that, you usually don't see the roots of bitterness springing up in your life or in someone else's life. It's hard to admit that we're struggling with bitterness because usually we don't want to face the hurt that caused the bitterness in the first place. Now, our past sometimes can be painful. You know, sometimes we, 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 we have issues in our past or events in our past or things in our past that are, that are hard to think about, that are hard to remember, that causes us pain in our life. Uh, but it, overcoming bitterness requires that we dig deep to pull out the roots that it began to grow years ago. You know, Scripture, sometimes they refer to uh, roots in a positive light. If we are rooted, the Bible teaches, in a spiritual relationship with God, then we bear spiritual fruit. Proverbs 12.3 says, A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Proverbs 12.12 The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Uh, Isaiah 37.31 And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit Upward, of course, one of the most famous ones, Psalm 1-3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth in his, his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So oftentimes the Bible refers to roots in a good way. But there's a lot of other scripture that refers to roots negatively. Deuteronomy 29-18, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And Micah, uh, Matthew 3.10, And now, root of the trees, therefore every tree which bringeth forth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And then 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The point is that what begins small in our lives, whether it's good or bad, eventually bears fruit in our life that can determine the course of our life. So a small root can grow into a massive plant. And tiny roots of bitterness in our heart can grow into huge problems. And the, the longer we allow bitterness to flourish, the harder time we're going to have dealing with it later. So what makes bitterness so bitterness even more challenging is that the roots of bitterness are very strong. They're very hardy. Even if, if you don't remove the entire root, the plant's going to grow back. In my backyard, uh, we have a, 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 a retaining. retaining wall. Thank you. A retaining wall that the county put in uh, that's fallen down. i got to call the county about it because it's theirs. Praise the Lord. Uh, but there's a retaining wall there. And then about, about probably three, four feet up, uh, there is my neighbor's yard. Uh, well, it's a new neighbor. Uh, my old neighbor died, and somebody else bought the house, and they're remodeling it. But the old neighbor had a huge garden. Uh, he grew uh, asparagus, and he grew all kinds of stuff. Uh, and one thing he was very, very good at growing was vines. 
uh, about three feet from our property line to hit to his garden. He just didn't do anything with it. And I'm sure years ago, those vines started to grow and no one dealt with them. And years went by and no one dealt with them. And years went by and no one dealt with them. And then I bought the house and I deal with them every single week. But they always grow back. They've taken over the whole back retaining wall. They've taken over my, my other neighbor's side fence that I mow her yard as well. So I'm fighting them every week. But I've, I've dug them out of my yard. When I see them spring, springing up, I'll, I'll dig that root. I'll pull the root out and cut it out where I can at the retaining wall. But I can't get to the main root so it always grows back. It grows into my magnolia tree. It killed a cherry tree in the backyard, and now there's dead branches over my yard I can't get to because it's strangled by roots. Why? Because years ago, a little root started to take hold, a little vine started to take hold, and no one dealt with it. And so now, if I want to get rid of all those roots, I'm thinking gasoline and a match and the fire department getting mad at me for burning my neighbor's yard down, but I don't know any way to do it. And so you have to deal with them. You have to deal with the roots of bitterness very often, and you have to get rid of the entire root. Uh, so we're the same way. We go to church. Now, in my backyard, if you look at my backyard, you can't tell that there's, that there's vines back there because I cut them down. I mow them down. I trim them back. Now, you look at the retaining wall, and you're like, wow, look at those vines. Look at my neighbor's fence, like, wow, look at those vines. But my yard, you can't tell there's roots there. You can't tell there's vines there, but they're there. They're right under the surface, but they're hidden. We do the same thing with our roots of bitterness. You know, we, we go to church, uh, we sing the songs, we, we play the part of a happy, good Christian to get rid of any outward signs of bitterness. But underneath, there's a, there's a destructive root of bitterness that grows more and more every day. And until we allow God to do some serious gardening in our lives, we're never going to overcome the bitterness that attacks us. We can't, al we can't allow unchecked bitterness to grow in our lives for too long. If we don't destroy it at its source, it will destroy us. The Bible here in our passage says that bitterness will bring defilement. And so when we aren't responding, <clears throat> when we aren't responding to hurtful situations with the grace of God, bitterness defiles us in two ways. The first way bitterness defiles us is bitterness troubles us. Bitterness troubles us. Looking at verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. See, bitterness, it, it bothers us. It hurts us. It troubles us. It doesn't hurt the person that wronged us. It doesn't hurt the person that hurt us. It hurts us. You know, harboring bitterness is like hitting yourself in the face to get even at someone for hitting you. It doesn't, doesn't hurt them. They don't care. It only hurts you. You cannot change the person that caused your bitterness. You can only control your choices. You can choose your response. An unforgiving response to hurt and pain will kill your joy and hurt those that you love. But a response of forgiveness will heal your wounds and allow you to see God work in your behalf. But what about someone who hurts us today? How do we avoid getting bitter in the first place? Biblically, you have two responses that you can take when someone hurts you. The first is to not take offense to it. Now, this is hard, 
But this is what the Bible teaches. And Ephesians 4, 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. The word forbear there means take no action. So you could take no offense. You could take no action against those that wronged you. A lot of times this is, this is pretty easy. If it's a small offense, someone cuts in front of you in, in the Starbucks line, I know Stacy would shoot them dead right there. Uh, but maybe if you are, you know, normal and uh, you don't mind that, uh, someone cuts in front of you in line, someone cuts you off in traffic, someone, maybe they, they ignore you, uh, you say hi to somebody and they just, not meaning to, but they just ignore you and it kind of bothers you. Those offenses, you can kind of like, okay, well, that's no big deal. There's no need for me to run that guy off the road, John. Uh, there's no need for me to punch him in the back of the head. I can just let this go. But what about if someone really, what if someone abuses you? What if someone, you know, hurts you physically or emotionally? Those are harder. And look, I'll be honest with you. If someone's abusing you physically, or they should not be no offense taken to them. They should be taken to the police and let the police deal with it. I mean, that's my opinion there. So, uh, but so if someone hurts you, I probably shouldn't put this one on the Internet. <laughs> but if someone hurts you and you, you can take no offense, the second thing you could do is to choose to deal with the offense biblically following the steps set in Matthew verse chapter 18. It says in Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. Oftentimes, especially in Christian circles, if someone offends you, they usually don't mean to. And so you get hurt by someone, and your response is to to bash them to everyone else, you're just compounding the problem. But if someone hurts you and you pray about it for a while, you go to them and say, hey, hey, John, you know, you did this the other day and it really bothered me. Typically, most believers are like, I, didn't, I had no idea. I didn't mean to hurt you. That was not my intention. Usually it's like, I didn't even think about it. I'm sorry. And so you go, you tell them an issue. You deal with it. Great. They hear it. They receive it. They apologize. The Bible says you've gained a brother. But then he continues in verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or more, then in the mouth of three witnesses, every word shall be established. So I go to John. I say, John, you really bothered me. He said, good, I meant to bother you. <laughs> you big jerk. <laughs> what you going to do about it? You're fired. Now, so then I go get David and Daryl, and we get a couple bats, and we just go, wait, no. <laughs> I, go get, I go get two other godly men. And I say, hey, you know, me and John have an issue. And, you know, I went to him. It didn't work out. Can you all kind of be mediators between the two? So that me and John can work it out. And John can't say, oh, he said this. And it was, and I can say, oh, John said this. I got two other witnesses. Say, no, 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 this is what happened. We worked it out. We helped do it. And so you can take no action. And sometimes it requires no action. But if it really bothers you and you have to do something, you go to the person that bothered you. If that doesn't work, you get two other Christian brothers or sisters to go with you and deal with it then. In either case, if you're forbearing it or you're addressing it, you don't hang on to the issue and nurture it in your heart. Once you're done with the two or more witnesses, if it still is not resolved, you've done all you can do, move on but you're not nurturing the issue. In fact, if you find yourself reviewing the situation constantly in your mind, that's a sign you haven't really dealt with it. If you had an issue come up years ago that you're constantly thinking about, I can't believe he did that, you haven't dealt with it biblically. You haven't dealt with it correctly, and bitterness is springing up in your heart. 
And so if we don't deal with an offense, it becomes a root of bitterness in our lives that troubles us, but it does more than that. The Bible says it hurts others as well. So not only does bitterness trouble us, bitterness taints others. Again, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You're troubled, but everyone around you is defiled by it. It taints others. It defiles innocent bystanders. Now, the next verse, in verse 16, it talks about Esau. Now, when you know the story of Esau, you read the story, you can see that Esau's mother allowed bitterness in her life to negatively affect her and her relationship with Esau and Esau's life. When God promised Rebekah that he would give Jacob, her youngest son, the blessing, she impatiently waited for God to keep his word. When God didn't keep his, fulfill his promise, when she thought he should, she became bitter and angry. Her bitterness defiled both her sons. Because of her bitterness, she convinced Jacob to trick his father to steal the birthright, to steal the blessing. And then Jacob had to run from his life because Esau said, I'm going to kill you when I get the chance. And so for decades, Esau and Jacob, their relationship was severed. Now they got back together and there was forgiveness and there was restitution there. But how many years apart did they lose of a good relationship because of Rebecca's bitterness? Jacob never saw his mom again. Jacob never saw his dad again because one woman allowed bitterness to control her life. Her bitterness defiled both her sons. See, bitterness in our life, it affects those closest to us. It affects our spouses. It affects our kids. It affects our friends. It affects our church members. When we nurse an offense thinking that by holding on to it will hurt the one who hurts us, but instead we end up hurting ourselves and those that we love the most. The heartbreaks that we face in life are real. They hurt, and they're tough to deal with. But responding in bitterness only deepens the wound and compounds the pain. Our verse, it reveals the cause of bitterness a couple words before the root analogy. Again, look at verse 15. <clears throat> Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. What does it mean to fail of the grace of God. Typically, when we say the word grace, we usually think about the saving grace that we found in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. This is the grace that God shows us at salvation. When Jesus gives us forgiveness instead of condemnation. When Jesus gives us eternal life instead of eternal death. But it is more than just saving grace that Jesus gives us. He gives us living grace. Living grace is the grace that we show others. The Bible says about the early church in Acts chapter 4, says great grace was upon them all. The early church practiced living grace. They showed the grace that they had received from Christ. They showed it to other people. That means that we give those that hurt us good when they deserve bad, just like Jesus gave to us. The heart of the believer that doesn't show living grace to others is a heart that is rich soil for the roots of bitterness to take hold. You know, Jesus told a parable to illustrate this truth in Matthew chapter 18. He tells a story of a king that forgives a servant a great debt. Then the servant goes out and he refuses to forgive another servant who owed him a tiny debt. It says in Matthew 18, 32, Then his Lord 
after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now, looking at this story, it's really hard to imagine anyone doing what this wicked servant did, but we do the same thing. Christ has forgiven us so much. He's forgiven every sin we've ever committed. We have rejected him. We have ignored him. We've ignored his voice. We've disobeyed him and, and just had countless hurts against him, and he's forgiven us time and time again. And he always forgives and he always will. When we forget how much we've been forgiven, we make fertile ground for the roots of bitterness to take hold in our hearts. God says, you've been forgiven so much, we should forgive others who have hurt us. So we see the roots of bitterness. Secondly, let's look at the results of bitterness. In the book of Ruth, and if you want to turn to Ruth, you can, Ruth chapter 1. In the book of Ruth, we see a woman whose, whose life exemplifies the causes, effects, and eventual victory over bitterness in the story of Naomi. Now, think of all that Naomi went through in her life. She went through part of a famine. She left her home, left all of her friends, her extended family there, left everyone she knew. She goes to a foreign land. She watches her husband die. Then she watches her two sons die as well. Now, these are traumatic events. But it wasn't the events that caused the bitterness in her heart. It was her reaction to them. After she loses her husbands and her two sons in Moab, she goes back to Bethlehem. And notice how her former friends reacted in verse number 19. So, so they, went, they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and said, Is this Naomi? Her bitterness had affected her so much that she was hardly recognized anymore. Then look at verse number 20. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Now the, word, the name Naomi means pleasant, but Mara, of course, means bitter. Bitterness had affected Naomi in several ways. First of all, bitterness had caused dissatisfaction in her life. Dissatisfaction. Naomi and her husband and her family, they moved to Moab because they thought it would be a better place than Bethlehem. But instead of finding the easy life they expected, Naomi's husband and her sons died. Now, why would God allow this to happen? Looking at the story in hindsight, it seems that God may have been chastening Naomi. He wanted to get her to a place where she would return to him. She never should have left Bethlehem in the first place. They used the famine as an excuse to leave because they weren't happy there. They didn't think it would supply their wants. But everyone they left in Bethlehem made it through the famine. So they could have as well. We live in a very dissatisfied society. People are always looking for the next job, the next car, the next house, the next spouse, 
whatever they think that could be next best thing for them. We are not satisfied with what God has given us and where God has placed us. And dissatisfaction is a symptom of bitterness taking root in our heart. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19 says, Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. When we focus on the problems or the irritations in our marriage, in our life, in our job, we become dissatisfied. When we think we're dissatisfied, we subconsciously begin to think that we deserve better than God has given us. Bitterness causes dissatisfaction. The second thing bitterness causes is selfishness. Selfishness. When the enemy returns home, her, her life is ruled by selfishness. And it's clear that she's a very selfish woman. When she says she's going home, her, she has no concern for her daughters-in-law. They both wanted to go with her, but she's making them leave their home, leave their family, leave everything they've known. And they wanted to turn Bethlehem with her, but she was, she was so focused on her pain that she wanted to leave them. When she arrives home, instead of having a joyful reunion with her family and her friends, she turns them away. She wanted to be left alone with her bitterness. As believers, we can allow bitterness to isolate us and make us very selfish. Because all we're focused on is our hurt, our need, our desires, what we want to make it better. So we accept selfishness. Second thing of bitterness, third thing bitterness brings is accusations. Accusations. See, Naomi, she went a step further than just pushing others away. She accused God of injustice. She said, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. She judged God for her pain instead of trusting God for the greater plan. Sometimes it's hard to see God working, especially in our pain. And we struggle to see the positive purpose in what happens to us. We have to remember that God is always good. Whatever happens in our life, whether it's good, whether it's hurtful, whether it's painful, God is always good. Our job isn't to understand what God is doing. Our job is simply trust and obey Him in faith. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom no, is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So when bad things happen, we can't accuse God of being unfair. We are to trust God that he's got a better plan. Fourth thing that happens is misperception. Misperception. Maybe you've, you've had a, a call me Mara moment like Naomi did. The bitterness had spread so far in her life that she couldn't enjoy life at all. Bitterness may be ruling your life. Naomi couldn't accurately evaluate her situation because of it. Again, look at verse number 21. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Naomi left Bethlehem because of a famine, not because she was full. She didn't leave because she had so much. She, was, she left because she wasn't afraid. She was afraid she wouldn't have enough. So she forgot why she even left in the first place. She left because she was struggling trusting God. And when we struggle with bitterness, it's hard to remember our past accurately. Now here's, she also says, I, I left full, now I'm empty. Ruth is standing right next to her. This is a young woman, she lost her husband too. She had to leave her homeland too. She had to leave everybody she knew too. And she did it because she loved Naomi. 
She did it because she loved her mother-in-law. And here her mother-in-law is saying, I got nothing. But she's got Ruth. So Naomi says, I'm empty. Her bitterness had blinded her to the value she had in her daughter-in-law. Ruth left everything to go to a strange land to help and provide for Naomi. And Naomi didn't recognize what she had in Ruth. Bitter people find it hard to identify the blessings that God has given them. They're so consumed with their pain that they can't see any good in their life. Bitterness is tragic, and it brings devastating effects into our lives. But thankfully, Naomi's story has a happy ending. So finally, let's look at the remedy for bitterness. The remedy for bitterness. Now, Naomi's, her, her, her victory over bitterness, it wasn't instantaneous. And yours won't be either. See, a lot of the things we, we've been talking about, depression, anxiety, un, unsatisfaction, all these things, there's no, there's no quick fix. There's no read this verse, pray this prayer, boom, you're here automatically. No, no, no. It takes sometimes years, sometimes months, just doing, the, the, doing what's right, day in and day out and day in and day out, even when you don't want to. And so her, her victory wasn't instantaneous. She dealt with it for a long time, but how did she gain victory over it? Well, number one, <clears throat> she had to repent. She had to repent. If we want to overcome bitterness like Naomi, we have to repent. Now, the word repent means to change our minds. We have to change our minds about our situation. Naomi did this when she decided to return to Bethlehem. She hadn't overcome her bitterness yet, but she took the first step. She realized she wasn't where she needed to be. She finally admitted that Bethlehem was where God wanted her to be, and it was better than Moab. The first step in resolving any problem is a mental step. In the parable of the, the, the prodigal son, he didn't return to his father until he had come to himself, until he realized that he needed to get back where God wanted him. So are you in a place where God doesn't want you to be, or are you where God wants you to be, but you're dissatisfied with it? Take the first step of defeating bitterness and decide that you are going to return where God wants you or love where God has put you. So we need to repent. Second thing we need to do is trust God. Trust God. Maybe what was done to you has nothing to do with your choices, but you can still take the next step by trusting God. We have to choose to believe by faith that God is in control that God is sovereign, and nothing happens to us that doesn't come through the hands of a loving Heavenly Father that only has the best in mind for us. So He cares for us, and the Bible says that He can work all things out for our good. Now, this is a hard step to take if you're, you're caught up in the grip of bitterness, because again, bitterness distorts your memory and your perception. What Naomi went through, losing her husband, Losing both her sons, it's, it's one of the most difficult things that any woman can go through. It is only by letting God's grace work through us that we can begin to trust Him and forgive others. And when we choose to stop dwelling on what hurt us and we give up the right to retaliate, we can focus on God's grace in our life. Third thing we need to do, we need to forgive. Forgive. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We are called to put bitterness out of our lives and to forgive. But he says we are to forgive like Christ forgave us. See, God's forgiveness is immediate. You don't got to earn it. You don't got to prove you're really sorry. You confess your sin to God and ask forgiveness, and God's forgiveness is immediate. God's forgiveness is permanent. See, the thing with God is you can, you can go to God for forgiveness about a sin, and you can go about that same sin next week, and God's not going to say, oh, you asked for that last week. I'm not doing it this time. He never brings it up again. The Bible says he, he puts our sins in the sea of forgiveness. He chooses to remember them no more. See, I always hear a preacher say, oh, God, forget your sin. No, he doesn't. God can't forget your sin because he's God. But he chooses not to remember them. He chooses to forgive us permanently. His forgiveness is complete, and it doesn't seek retaliation. Even when we are tragically wronged, God can work it out for good. It is our response to our hurts that determine if we grow better or not. So what's the last thing we need to do? We need to refocus on Christ. The book of Ruth, it's a, it's a beautiful story of redemption. When Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem, it was the barley harvest time. And as was the custom, Ruth, because they had no husband, they had no man to help them. I'm not trying to be sexist there. I'm not trying to be anti-feminist. That's just that's the culture. They had no, no husband to provide for them. So there was a law that the poor, the widows, could, could go out into the fields during the harvest time and they could glean what the reapers had left behind so they could eat. And through God's sovereign plan, she picked the field of Boaz, who was a distant relative to Naomi. Now, in this time, when a woman's husband died, the next of kin was to buy back her possessions and marry her. It is what's known as the kinsman redeemer. When Naomi realized that Boaz was interested in Naomi, she, or interested in, in Ruth, she shifted her focus. Suddenly, her attention wasn't focused on her hurt and her pain. It was focused on Boaz, the kinsman redeemer and not on everything that she had lost. She was the one that initiated the actions that led to Boaz and Ruth becoming married. This renewed focus changed Naomi. When Boaz and Ruth had a son, Obed, she became a nurse to her grandson. Look at the final words that we hear about Naomi in Scripture. And Naomi took the child and laid it, on, laid it in her bosom and became a nurse unto it. With God's help, she'd finally conquered her bitterness. When we are struggling with bitterness, it's difficult to see any good come out of our pain. The story of Naomi shows us that God can take the most painful situation and weave a stunning picture of redemption. If we allow the roots of bitterness to grow deeper, we'll continue to experience misery and spread pain throughout our life. It's through Christ that we experience the forgiveness of God. It is by His grace that we can offer that forgiveness to others. It's because of His love displayed on the cross that we can trust His heart toward us. So are we struggling with bitterness tonight? Look to Jesus, choose to give grace, choose to trust His word, and choose to offer forgiveness.